I think largely we retreat into our camps here anyway. And your kids are going to read what they're going to read, whether they get at the library, public library, or on that phone that you paid all that money for that gives them unfettered access to the most powerful personal communication device ever created, where everything that's ever been said, written, or done is available in the palm of their hand. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. on Wisconsin's morning news. Yeah, you get a little bit more from the National Weather Service on these stronger storms. This is not a severe weather alert. No, but 40 mile per hour wind gusts, so they say gusty winds could knock down tree limbs and blow around unsecured objects such as... Halloween junk. (laughs) There they go, all the Halloween stuff. Your inflatable that's out in the front yard might be in the neighbor's yard at some point. (laughs) Gone. Actually, it's going to be windy for everybody even post these storms as well today. So that that is something to think about if you got... A large decoration out in front. Look around. It could could have been blown away. Don't Might not be the kids. Before you decry the truth. Ah, kids stole my stuff. I always tell my wife that I apologize for anything that could potentially happen to our pumpkins because of my stilliness as a high schooler that <laughs> some karma might karma come around and get come you back around and it has karma has you weren't a pumpkin its... smasher were you oh i was terrible oh, about that oh stuff. that's terrible we'd steal them and stuff. i was a tp'er like but i never See, a pumpkin worse. smasher why is that worse nothing's damaged i'd rather take a pumpkin than like leave a bunch of garbage on someone's you tree. stole stuff and ruined it yeah but that's what you did but then it's gone. It's not. <laughs> That's true, right? I, in terms of what I would rather have happen, I, mean, I guess I'd rather the pumpkins are gone. I got to throw those out anyway. Right. Yeah. Thanks for taking them. Right. After my kid won band again, we're get, we, got, we didn't get hit, hit too bad this year. But the band kids all go and TP each other after they win state. Okay. So after getting destroyed the year before, they took it easy on us. But oh, right, I'm nice. still picking out pieces from the tree. Still stuff up there. All right. What? Didn't want to be distracted by that. Menominee Falls School Board, right? They allowed the, the public bloodletting, if you will, over the fur concerning recently removed books from the high school library. I said yesterday, book banning, as it's being widely called, carries that loaded negative connotation. And I'm not sure that's entirely fair. It is an emotionally charged term, which is literally correct, right, to a degree. But equally fair would be materials were removed from the library and will no longer be offered. They both kind of mean the same thing, right? So I made this point as well. Unless your singular criterion for whether something is allowed in the library is it's a collection of bound pages, right? There's a line. Every library selects those titles, those works, which it will furnish and those it will not. There's a line. So the debate in Menominee Falls is where is that line? Who gets to set the line? What processes and procedures are used in setting that line? It's a fair and good debate. We should all have it. Every community does. I'll skip to the end before we get to the fiery comments offered at the school board meeting Monday. Nothing changed. So there was no school board action on the recently released list of what, about three dozen or so? 33. Okay. Books that had been removed from the high school library. That decision was announced late last week. So this was merely a public comment period at the school board meeting. There was not an action item attached to it. And we'll get to a little bit more on uh, the school board's defense of the action Uh, toward the end. But again, just to let you know, there was nothing to be decided last night. The public comment period was allowed for people to come and 
voice their concerns. And that's good. There has to be transparency in all this, no matter which side you're on. You want to see, was some sort of set of procedures followed here? And do I get a say in that, in this, in this public debate? So we predicted yesterday what that meeting was going to feel like, what, it, what, what the vibe was going to be, because you and I as reporters, year after year, went to this meeting. Oh, yeah, meeting, we've been there. Been to that meeting, and they're largely the same. It's a packed house. People are emotionally charged. Mm-hmm. It's neighbor on neighbor, right? And there's applause after the things, and there's groaning after the things. And there are cameras, yep. which All the TV stations are there that just... The drama. <laughs> just, yep. I was doing the... Uh, pumping up the fire there with the... What do they call that? The bellow. Yeah, the bellow. Ooh, right. So you get then. that thing going. You got got some members going there, and you add the TV stations and all the media there, and it just puffs up that flame. So as predicted, that's about what happened. Even the board announcing limits on public comments stirred the juice. As important as community engagement and public comments are, are very important to us, I would like to make a motion to decrease the um, minutes to two minutes. Oh. Oh. That's a terrible idea. All these people have showed up here and prepared over three Don't talk. That, I, I think making the motion was the school board president, Nina Christensen. There was one board member who objected to the two-minute limit. That was imposed on every speaker. So they weren't saying, like, we're only going to go for 10 minutes here. They just said, when it's your turn, you get two minutes, which I actually think is reasonable. Is there any value in going until 2 in the morning because some guy wants to talk for 10 minutes yeah, you, or whatever? You know? Generally, you have to have some kind of guideline. Go ahead. We'd like to hear from but you. it's five minutes, three minutes, Make two your minutes. Point. Yeah. Right. So anyway, I just like, oh, <laughs> hadn't even started yet, really. So there were questions over board policy. How did the 33 titles on this list end up on this list? Whose call was that? We'll get to a little bit more of that in a moment. But first, this first speaker out of the gate from the community really set the stage perfectly. I'm not saying I agree with her or disagree with her. She just she laid it out there about exactly what this is about. This parent began by inviting parents with young children to leave the room if they needed to. So what she was about to share was explicit, and she even said, moms and dads or whatever, if you have young kids here, you might want to have them leave the room, as I am about to read from an excerpt from one of these publications. That's in one of the elementary libraries? uh, At least the high school library. Yeah, okay. But okay. Uh, Here you go. This is from one of the now banned books. She begins. I'm now going to read an excerpt to you from a book in question. It's going to be very uncomfortable for me to read this, and I hope it's just as uncomfortable for you to listen to it. He began to knead his fist against the opening up. Okay, that's all I can play for you. I could have gone through and bleeped out and goot, 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 but I cannot play for you on the radio the passage that she reads. I don't know what that means. It means it was dirty. <laughs> like, not just body parts, but like sexually explicit. Like something that you would expect to read in a porn publication or something. And I'm not being a prude about it. Like, you, you heard it, yeah, right? Is that yeah, accurate? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she reads this excerpt, and then she finishes her comments. This is not about book banning. This is not about censorship. This is about a school library. If you want these books, go to the public libraries or buy them on Amazon. Thank you, Okay, there were her two minutes. But I thought she, she laid it out there pretty well. The, I don't know if it was the next speaker or one of the... the Subsequent speakers pretty close to her did the same thing. And she read another passage that, again, if you had asked me where did this come from, I would have said, I don't know, porno mag, 
something like that, online porn site. No, from a book that was in the high school library. So not for nothing, but it's it's racist porn pornographic stuff. So it is what it is. Now, maybe you think it's part of a larger work. There should be context and, and all that. But you know, it's not hyperbole to suggest this is the kind of stuff that if you were openly talking about it at work, you'd get a day off at least. <laughs> if one of these kids came up to another kid in class and said, hey, how'd you like to do X, Y, Z that's in this book? They'd get suspended for sure. It would be a violation of various policies. So that's the point she makes. And then she says, hey, look, moms and dads, you want your kids reading this stuff? Go get it. No one said they can't, but doesn't have to be in our library. So for those parents who were on that side, that was one of the primary points they made. Now the parents who were against any of the titles being on there started to take the podium. If somebody wants to take a portion of a book, a word, a phrase, a sentence, object to it, say it's obscene, say it's immoral, whatever, fine, have your opinion. Take your opinion as far as your doorway. Don't force your opinion on the community, on those students who need those resources. And so if I can characterize this guy's point is, okay, fine, you don't like it. You're entitled to that opinion. Then let's talk about it. This is out there. This speech has been made. This writing has been available. And if you think it's objectionable, then let's talk about that. Generally, in terms of speech, that's where I come down. I'm pretty liberal in my application of free speech. I think it's better, generally speaking, and not talking specific to this, but generally speaking, I think we, we have built a nation on let everybody talk. Somebody has mean things to say, let them talk. And then it's your turn to talk and say why that's terrible. Or to ignore that person. Or, yeah, exactly. But in this case, that's basically his point is, OK, that's fine. But if you have values, don't enforce them on the rest of the community that this should be available. And if that's not something that you want your child, your son or daughter to read, OK, that's a conversation that you have at home. But that doesn't mean nobody else should have access to this in the library. One more on the uh, against what's happening in Menominee Falls. There wasn't a single teacher, parent. Or Hang on, I want to set that up better. Here's the other one I was looking for. My understanding for. is these books were removed due to language that was deemed too sexually explicit. If you are removing works like Slaughterhouse-Five and The Bluest Eye, what exactly is your criteria for too sexually explicit? This vague language leads me to believe books are being removed due to personal beliefs and viewpoints rather than considering the educational merit of the books as a whole as outlined in your policy 871, Exhibit A. Okay, so there was some applause after that, and her point is kind of like the earlier guy, like in the context of the whole work, why is this here? Why is it being used and things like that? And you can't just throw books out. And, I, and why now versus, I mean, you made the point earlier that books come and go all the time in libraries. Fair question. So asked. what is leading up to this decision now? And the versus, school board was asked about that process and the school board president, again, it said every year we, Add books, we remove books. Like, I'm still not clear on to why these 33 books right now at this moment ended up on yeah, a list. And a then Tony Morrison found and Craig right. why these books specifically, right? Uh, here's the other one that I uh, jumped the gun on here. This is a guy who, without regard for which side of the argument he was on, he was saying, he, he started his comments by saying, I'm disappointed at the turnout tonight, meaning there were so many people there. And he was referencing an earlier school board meeting where they were discussing some alarming test scores from within the district in Menominee Falls School District. He said, where was everybody then? 
There wasn't a single teacher, parent, or faculty member, uh, member there to protest over the fact that only 52% of our students are proficient in math. No one there demanding funding for their students' department or resources for their children. No one there to say, can this be right? Only 46% of our students are proficient in reading. I guess we don't have to worry about them reading these books. <laughs> Thank you for your time. I know this is a complex topic, and everyone has their views. I just hope and pray we stop fighting each other. Maybe the best line of that. I hope and pray we stop fighting each other. And I, I, I'm hopeful for that. I have no confidence that that's going to happen. Oh, no. We thrive off of divisiveness. Right. But I thought his point was well taken. We're neighbors here. Can we, can we try to know, stop jeering at each other? Can we lower the temperature at least? Can we not offer testimony without being fiery about it? And, you know, I, it's a hard one. I mean, probably where I come down in my house, I don't know that I would object to, well, I don't know what's in our school library. I don't know that I would show up to this meeting and complain about it one way or another. And, I would trust if my kids came home with something like that and there were some things in there that I was concerned about that we'd have a conversation about that in my house. But I also respect the people who are like, what is this doing in the high school library? The school board uh, president did offer a little bit more explanation on why these books were removed. And I will share her comments with you coming up next. on Wisconsin's Morning News. I promised you some official reaction from the Menominee Falls School Board on one of the questions that's come up, and uh, this one came through in the old National Bank talk and text line, along with an assortment of other comments. Some of them will have to just leave for our entertainment. (laughs) There's some some good humor being texted as well. And this is over the 33 books, new titles that have been removed from the high school library in Menominee Falls. In my mind, the main question is whether or not the procedures that are in place to make those decisions were followed. The school board president gave that answer an emphatic yes, they were. If these sexually graphic comments were spoken in a workplace, would this not be considered sexual harassment? If a stranger walked up to your child in a public place and read these excerpts to him or her, would you not call the police? If a book containing graphic pictures of sexual positions was in a hospital waiting room, would there not be complaints of its appropriateness? The decision to remove the books from the school library was made to protect our students from harmful material and protect our district from being in violation of our own board policies. And she went on to list a, a several of the policies and the manner in which they select books to be included, those to be excluded in the process that they go through every year. I grant you, all of a sudden, hearing a list, 33 books tossed out of the library, <laughs> Causes one the question of why why these books? Why now? How did they, this come to your attention? Like, what was the problem here that we're trying to solve? Especially when some of these books are very well known and have been part of curriculums for a long, long time. It's just worth the eyebrow raise of asking the question. Right. So the question was asked. Mountie Falls School Board, uh, Board President said, this wasn't a board decision. This was an administrative decision, but they're empowered to do that under this policy, this policy, this policy, et cetera. Believe them or not, but that's their line. And they said uh, in terms of whether or not procedures were followed, Mountie Falls School Board says they were. Now fix the reading proficiency problem. Now do that <laughs> that's, now. That's why I played that guy's bite. Of like, you know, do we, we like to argue with each other. And I'm not saying it's not important, but right. 
Where was, the, where was the argument? Where were the fiery speeches? Where were the whatever when clearly the test scores aren't what they need to be, when our kids aren't learning like they ought to be? No standards. Let's debate that. I think largely we will retreat into our camps here anyway. And your kids are going to read what they're going to read, whether they get at the library, the public library, or on that phone that you paid all that money for that gives them unfettered access to the most powerful personal communication device ever created, where everything that's ever been said, written, or done is available in the palm of their hand. 8.33 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Again, watching those strong storms north of Milwaukee. They should be pushing out over Lake Michigan, but some folks in Sheboygan and Manitowoc County reporting some hail associated with these. Not severe weather at this point. Some plastic skeletons flying around. <laughs> Definitely some decorations in the wind today. So it's been three weeks since Kevin McCarthy was ousted as House Speaker. Well, Republicans today will vote behind closed doors, Vince, to choose another nominee. How many choices will they have? Eight. I feel like I've seen this movie before. <laughs> there are eight candidates And there's secret ballot today. So here's how it's going to work. Assuming no candidate wins a majority on the first secret ballot, the field will winnow automatically. So more rounds of voting will be held until someone wins most of the ballots that are cast. We're going to pair you lot people off the bottom. Right. Okay. We'll go from eight to four here. Now, were these four? Where do you go? Okay. Then they'll get someone to the floor. So that likely wouldn't happen today. New York Congressman Mark Molinaro. I'm hopeful that uh, this gets wrapped up in the next 48 to 72 hours. 48 to 72 hours. However, Kentucky Congressman Thomas Massey isn't quite as optimistic. Have you seen our track record? <laughs> I guess that's suggesting he doesn't think it'll happen that quickly, but I love the cough. It could that, happen today. That wasn't his cough. We, <laughs> yeah, that was but that, right. Added for effect. Um, if you're interested, I could pull it up if you want to know the eight names you've never heard of that are running. Uh, they are Tom Emmer, Mike Johnson, Jack Bergman, Byron Nonalds, Kevin Hearn, Gary Palmer, Austin Scott, Brian D, Pete Sessions, Greg Hill. Hang on. No. (laughs) I heard two guys who work here. (laughs) Maybe there are three. I don't know everybody. I was just trying to see if you you were paying attention. Brian D. and Greg Hill are not (laughs) congressmen from the great state of Wisconsin or anywhere. No one from Wisconsin is among the eight. But might as well be. uh, 8.43 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Eight forty-seven on Wisconsin's morning news. This big old jet airliner had a real threat on board, and it came from a guy who's a pilot. Pilot due in court today in Portland, Oregon. He's accused of being in the jump seat, so he was off duty in the jump seat of Alaska Airlines Flight Twenty Fifty Nine that left Everett, Washington, for San Francisco on Sunday. Eighty passengers on board, not including the crew. So he was sitting in the cockpit in the jump seat when apparently. He tried to cut the plane's engines, grabbed the T-handles, tried to turn the engines off before the pilot and co-pilot stopped him. We've got the uh, guy that tried to shut the engines down uh, out of the cockpit. They were able to get him out, handcuffed him to a seat in the cabin. Seems like he settled down as soon as he, uh, after one moment of going uh, a little bit overboard. Not sure what's going on here, but as of now, facing 83 counts of attempted murder because of what happened in the air just a couple of days ago. Got to have a guy for stuff, and we got a guy who, when we have 
issues in the skies we like to call on from time to time. Scott is an airline pilot in my neck of the woods on the south side and has consulted us on some things that happen in the friendly skies. And he's with us now on the Old National Bank Talk and Text Line, the Tri-County Contracting Hotline. Morning, Scott. Good morning, guys. Thank you for having me. Uh, Thanks for offering your expertise on this one. Let's start with uh, explaining what the jump seat is and how a pilot who's not actually piloting or co-piloting the aircraft comes to be in a position to be in that seat. Right. Great question. Uh, You know, a jump seat is no more than just a a small little fold-down seat. I can tell you firsthand they're not comfortable. Um, (laughs) There's usually one or two in the flight deck, depending on the size of the aircraft. And they're really there because the government and the company are at times required to observe flights for either regulatory purposes or for training purposes. But when they're not being used for that capacity, um, pilots only, no flight attendants, pilots either online flying for that specific airline or another airline after checking security uh, background information are allowed to ride on it. So you want to use it to go join the family on a vacation and save on a ticket, or I have a buddy who ran to London to play golf for a weekend. I'm going to go join him. I can jump on that jump seat and get a free ride. So is that annoying? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's Eric, it's funny you bring that up because it is because imagine you two doing what you're doing there and you have someone sitting a foot behind you and it's one thing. He's in here talking to me all morning. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. So how about the situation then? And we're talking with Scott, Scott's an airline pilot, um, uh, over my neck of the woods, the south side, and consults with us on issues from time to time when we ask for his expertise. The T handles, yeah. Ask? yeah. So, so this guy, this pilot who knows, you know, where the buttons are and things to push, apparently made a grab for the T handles. Tell us what happens there. Right, right. So, I, I just want to make sure everyone knows that there are multiple ways, you know, within a flight deck to disable an aircraft engine or both engines. I have actually not been able to find anything that states that it was the T-handle, but assuming that this is leaking out slowly, a T-handle is a handle, right, like we just said, or a button. But once you manipulate it, it shuts down the engine, and it most importantly will isolate it from flammable air or fuel or hydraulics or electricity, and it prepares the engine for fire extinguishing. Now, we test that. We'll test that once or twice a day. But clearly, we're not going to use it unless we get a fire warning indication. And and once you were to push that button or pull that handle, there is some residual fuel that is left in the line. Um, it depends on the manufacturer. You know, I, I train pilots on the Airbus. We know that, you know, once you push that button, right, you've got anywhere from about 8 to 18 seconds to, quite frankly, depress that button before that engine shuts down and a lot of other things happen on the aircraft. So do you have handcuffs? Because it sounds like this guy was handcuffed right away. Right. So, and I want your viewers to know, like, I think one of the beautiful stories that come out of this unfortunate incident are that of the flight attendants and the passengers. And once again, post 9-11, the facts are clear. Flight attendants are there for more than drinks and snacks. They are an integral part of our uh, security matrix that we use. And you, the passengers, 
Um, I have no doubt on board that aircraft as details come out. Um, certain things are happening that uh, are security level protocol between the pilots and the flight attendants that I can't discuss here. But what I can tell you was that the flight attendants were busy working back to trying to uh, get a able-bodied passengers to be a part of this to to help subdue this passenger. And yes, they have what usually are called tough cuffs, not real handcuffs, but they're basically if you've taken a self-defense course, um, a uh, some type of you know plastic tool, if you will, that once they get around your hands, obviously can keep you you know uh, keep you uh, less of a threat. Always appreciate the perspe- the perspective, Scott. Thanks for sharing this morning. Oh, you're so welcome. Anytime, guys, and have a great day. Yeah, future safe flying. That's our that's our guy. That's our airline expert, mm-hmm. Scott, airline yep. pilot, and uh, really shed some light on what all went down on there. Interesting, though. Like, hey, sometimes we need you in the back. 8.53 on Wisconsin's Morning News. The aforementioned Steve Scafidi will join us next. <laughs> News is sponsored by Kowal Investment Group, the retirement specialist. Retire well with Kowal. Steve Scafidi in the house with us now. Gentlemen, good morning. Breaking news, just popping on the wire. The next pin to fall in the uh, multi-states, multi-jurisdictional indictments of President Donald Trump. Jenna Ellis, attorney for the president. I, th- I thought one that might not crack, now pleading guilty. Amazing story. Well, that's a couple of attorneys now on the president's team. Yeah, this is a big one. This is a big one. Taking deals. This is the uh, the poster child for election denial, and uh, I, I said it on the show the other day, the goal seems to be here to get every other defendants lined up to testify against the former president. That's That seems to be the plan, and, and what that will feel and sound like, it speeds up, the I think, the trial dates, because now all those other people are out of the way, and it makes it much more intense pressure on the former president. So a fascinating story. And that story just breaking now. Quickly, want to get you up to date on the weather here. We've got uh, the storms in the northeastern part of the state starting to dissipate and move out over Lake Michigan. One other cell in central Wisconsin that we'll keep an eye on for you through the morning. On our way to a high of 77 degrees today. Forecast sponsored by Dave Dre Camp Heating, where your comfort is their family's tradition. Up next, just before WTMJ Now with Steve, are the business headlines with the Milwaukee Business Journal's Margaret Nachek. A former manager at GE Healthcare, Wendy Harris, will lead the Wisconsin BioHealth Tech Hub as the new regional innovation officer-elect. Pumpkin spice latte cream puffs and a chicken waffle cone are some of the new menu items at Pfizer Forum this season. The Milwaukee Bucks start the regular season at home Thursday against the Philadelphia 76ers. The Milwaukee Art Museum hires Scott Schwebel as the institution's first-ever chief experience officer. Schwebel comes most recently from J. Jeffers & Company. I'm Margaret Nachek with MilwaukeeBusinessJournal.com on News Radio WTMJ.